Awesome. So, it's awesome. I had so many familiar faces and family members and friends and stuff. Absolutely love seeing that. I mean, first of all, obviously, thank you, Papa, for the opportunity to speak here. You know, coming to a church where, you know, Papa's been the pastor here for a while. He's been in ministry for 57 years or something like that, right? You know, I'm his grandson, and then my dad is Brian Treadaway, who's been under him. And so it's like a line of, you know, awesome teaching and just amazing um, just blessings that have come from that. Um, I'm beyond thankful for the family I was raised in and for this opportunity here. Uh, so right now, I'm at Scarborough College, which is the undergraduate program at the seminary. And uh, I say that because I just went on a mission trip to Utah through that college. And it's been absolutely great there. Learn so much. And so from that Utah trip, whenever I told Papa, he was like, hey, after that Utah trip, I'd love for you to come preach at the church. Um, so that's why I'm here from the Utah trip. And Papa asked if I'd come and preach a little bit about that and then deliver a message with that as well. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and we're going to get started. Dear God, thank you so much for the the members that you brought out here and for the just the family that this church really is, God. I thank you for all the family from previous churches and all the people that have been impacted by Papa and that have just been in the community and can just sense the presence of God here at this church. Um, I just thank you for all of that. And God, I pray again, like it's been said, God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross God, I pray that your word is evident. God, I pray that you give the members ears to hear, and I pray that you give them clear hearts to apply this to. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So, we just came back from Utah. We were there January 6th to 12th, and we went to Salt Lake, and we were in the Provo area. Um, So, for those that don't know, that's like the heart of Mormonism. That's like It's crazy statistics as to how many people are Mormons there. And it's like 99% in the area that we were at, especially like BYU. And we'd go to Temple Square and learn all about that. Um, So overall, it was a really eye-opening experience seeing how many people were there. And it's like, it's not like these people were like paid actors, you know. They were real people. They, this is what they believe. This is their life. They've devoted themselves to this. And so that's eye-opening to me because, you know, Around here, you see those people, and it's kind of just like, oh, well, they're just going around telling their stuff, so we don't have to listen to them. But um, it really impacted me and made me want to go meet more people here that, um, that live that life, because we have, we have truth, we have the light. So it was a really eye-opening experience there. And really, all the people there, they visually and verbally produce the fruits of the Spirit, like up front, like you go up and talk to them, you're like, this person's a genuinely really nice person, like they seem through and through awesome, so that was eye-opening to me, like I was kind of like going there thinking I'm going to be like threatened or something, but it's like they were, everyone was nice, but you know, further in, you, you kind of find out a little bit more about some of these people's lives and their history, and they're not really producing the fruit of the Spirit, um, so and three, what was really eye-opening is they for them, they work for their salvation or a placement in heaven, a higher placement in heaven. And so that, like, all those things, they told us, don't really look up a whole lot about Mormonism before you go. You can, but they're like, it just, we want you to experience it. And, and hands-on experience will open your eyes way more. So um, as a result of those things, as a result, like, those are humans just like we're humans. So 
they sin just like we sin. They have blunders. Like we, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we don't sin. So um, that's, that's a commonality right there. But then two, humans, us humans who, who don't have Christ, at one point we all did not have Christ and we were incapable of producing the fruits of the Spirit. As best as we thought we were, we were not producing the true fruits of the Spirit, right? Um, so, to use a little Papa joke here, that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of man, because we have the Spirit living inside of us. It's kind of, yeah, family gets it. But, <laughs> um, but because of that, because of the way that they believe and stuff, there's two types of people basically there. If you just sum it all up, there's two types of people. There's those who are prideful because of what they think they're accomplishing, because of what they think that um, their accolades are and stuff. And then you have another group that is just constantly beating themselves down and they're depressed because they can't work all the way up to what is supposed to be, um, you know, the thing there. And so that leads to terrible things. Whenever you have a group that sets themselves apart as super prideful and a group that sets them apart because they don't, they're, they're shamed because they are not as good. And so the, the rates of sin in that area, in the Salt Lake Provo area, are really ridiculous. It, it's, it's like they lead in opioids per household. They lead in plastic surgery. They lead in pornography. They lead in suicide as well because they're trying to fill that void and they try to fill it with work. And it's just endless work. And it's work and work. And so all of that, it just produces like, I can't do this. I'm not enough. And they almost have the answer. Like, they have the Bible as their scripture. But it's, it's I mean, we can get into theology of the LDS later. But they, they almost have the answer. But they don't know how to apply the truths in their lives. So as evangelical Christians, as we are here we know we are sinners. That's, that's a benefit. Like, we, we understand that like we're all sinners, just every single person that's in the Bible. Um, and so, whenever we understand that, we have, uh, we have a reason, to, or we have a way to suffice that, right? Um, and then there's, uh, two, the Spirit lives inside of us. Therefore, we can produce the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, and then we are to enter into the rest that is a result of the work of the Trinity, right? Which is God having created us, Jesus having died for us, and the Holy Spirit living in us. That is what we can rest in. And another way I heard it is God is the architect, Jesus being the accomplisher, and the Holy Spirit being the applier. Really cool. Uh, three ways to listen to that. Um, so I'm going to use this passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight, first. So if you have your Bibles, turn there, Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, underline that. Make a note with it. So, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking to the, to the people. And so, three questions must be answered. Why do we need rest? How do we rest? And then, another Papa joke, what's the rest? After your rest. Um, so, to, for the first question, why do we need rest? Uh, to understand why we need rest, we, we need to understand what rest is and what it does for you. So, and really what it does in general. So, rest does not worry what others do or what others think of them. Rest knows it is protected. Rest is comfortable with what it is resting upon. And rest happens when one is at peace. Another thing, rest knows that it is, it is whole, it is completed. So we rest because it is good, and, and God even set that 
example first. In Genesis 2, it talks about after he made everything on the seventh day, he rested, right? So, um, if it's so good of an experience um, as to, you know, why rest, it's because God has called us to. He wants us to enter into that rest because these are the benefits. It, we don't have to worry about what other people, what other people think of us. We, don't, we know that we're protected by God. We know that, it's whole, that we're whole. We're completed with God, right? Um, and so next, yeah, so if it's so pleasurable, then how do we enter that rest, right? So the most important step in realizing how is to realize that we need rest. Because if you don't realize that you need rest, then you're never going to look for the rest, right? So it's not just like what you, it's not just in how like your works and stuff go about, but it's why you do your works. That's, that'll really show you if you, if you need that rest or not, right? So um, some examples of like this work or like the good practices that we try to do. Um, I mean, going to church, reading your Bible, Sunday school, praying, loving your spouse, just good practices. If you're doing these things and it's like you're, if it's for selfish glory and, and, or a gain of like physical, you know, whatever, even emotional, uh, monetary, self, if it's to please your self-esteem, then you're going to be exhausted by the end of that. If it's not coming of an overflow, then you're just trying to fill a void that's not going to ever be filled by what you can do. Um, so a, a question you can ask is, does this please me or is this pleasing to God? And whenever you're a Christian, you can answer that. If it's pleasing to God, then it is pleasing to me. But if you are just trying to please yourself, and then it's like, whatever I have left, I'll please God with, you're looking at it wrong, right? So you can have both. You can be pleased, and you can be pleasing to God. But you first must submit to be pleasing to God, right? Um, So whenever you're continually working for something just to please yourself, you're going to run into a dead end. And that, whenever you reach that point, that's whenever you're going to look for that rest, right? So, your work, yeah, that your work that is for selfish gain will end up not pleasing you. Um, and that's not, like, again, that's not just a Mormon thing, but that's like a human thing. Like, yeah, you see that there, but we see that here all the time. We see that in your church. You see that in your life. You see that in your family and your friends. Um, so, we must understand how God fulfills our desires, right? So, the question is still, how do we enter God's rest, right? Um, so we must understand how God has fulfilled our desires. And by human nature, we're codependent. We, we, want, we want something to lean on. We want something to fill like a void inside of us in a sense. And so a lot of people are going to try to find that in like a spouse or in like a job, in money, in things like that. But they all lead to just end. Like, it's just an endless pit. And so until you can find that in Christ, you'll never be satisfied. So, going back to this passage, Matthew 11, we're going to read to verse 30. So, this is 28 to 30. I'll have four points from this. So, again, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, four things to take away from this right here. First, we must become lowly as Christ has become lowly, right? In Ephesians 2, it talks about how he came down from heaven to be with us. He came, he didn't have to, but he came down to be with us, to save us. So we must first humble ourselves, be lowly like Christ has been. And then two, take upon his yoke and learn from him. Not just take upon his yoke and be like, 
okay, here I go now. But it says to learn from him too. So you want to learn the ways of God so that you are, you're able to imitate and you're able to make decisions according to, to Christ's will for you, right? Um, and then three, take, take upon his yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Whenever you feel that weight on you, Christ wants to take that off of you. His burden, his, he says right here, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest because mine is easier than yours. You're, what you're doing right now is, is hurting you and I have the answer for you. So um, a fourth point is there's still work to be done after you take upon the yoke. It's not, again, you, you learn after you take upon the yoke with Christ. Whenever you're even with him, whenever you are filled with him, it's not just like, all right, cool, I'm done. But it's like, you're full, now what? Like, let's go do something now. And so from that overflow, after you're full, and the fruits of the Spirit come out of that, right? So, woo. All right. Um, sorry. So now that rest has been accepted, right? If, that, if you're realizing that and rest has been accepted, what is rest, right? So rest is not apathy. It's not someone who just says, eh, it's all answered anyway, so I don't have to worry about that stuff. And it's not one who says, eh, there's too much. I don't, I don't need to do that. It's not apathy. It's not, it's not a lack of care. Rest, whenever you rest, you have a desire that comes alive in you to learn more, right? And that's what it says in the, in the verse. It says, and learn, right? And so again, that's going to be the answer to almost all of these with rest. So rest is not idleness. It's not saying, all right, I'm entering God's rest. And then you like hold on to one ounce of truth that you got. And then five years down the road, you're still like, yep, I remember God changed my life back then. And it's like, oh, what's he done recently? Well, he changed my life back then. And it's not that five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever. It says, and learn, right? Take upon his yoke and learn. Um, and it, another thing, rest is not halfway committed. You don't see anyone taking half naps. And if they're taking half naps, then they're not really getting rest, right? So you see, thank you. <laughs> you see, uh, I mean, people are completely trusting with what they're on. They're completely at peace. And so that's what real rest looks like, right? So you can't experience full rest while you're still holding on to things. You can't experience full rest while you're, at the same time, kind of a little apathetic where you're like, eh, it's all answered. I don't really have to do that, right? That's not complete rest. And you can't have rest whenever you're hanging on to fear and guilt. You must fully depend on God and allow him to fill all those and take those out of your life, right? So I heard a really cool uh, closing to a sermon one time. I'm going to use it kind of in the middle. So, <laughs> But uh, he was saying, he had everyone like close their eyes at the end. And they were saying, all right, I'm going to do something. And he was like, I'm going to say... If you're positive that you're going to heaven, I'm going to do it from a scale of 1 to 10. And I want you to raise your hand whenever, you know, you're in that range. And so it's like 1 to 4. Like a couple people raised their hand. It's like 5 and 6. A couple, like more people raised their hands. 7 and 8. People are like, yeah, that's me. And then it was like 9. Was, you know, like a lot of people raising their hand and stuff. And then he like went on with this message. He's like, okay, we'll get back to that later. And it was really interesting. At the end, he was saying, I want you all to know something. Like, I'm sure mentally you kind of placed yourself one to one to ten where you think you'd be at. And he was saying, if you're anywhere from one to nine, it's all the same. If you don't fully believe that all the work has been done, all of it's been finished, and you aren't that ten, I am positive I'm going to heaven because I know what Jesus has done, 
then you aren't resting. You're still trying to work. You're still trying to do stuff. And that was, that's so powerful. Like if, and if you don't understand that, like obviously there's Papa here. He'll, he wants to talk to you about these things. I'll, I'll talk to you. Jason will talk to you. So it's like we, we have the ability to have that rest. It's all been paid for. Um, so it totally, it's totally because of Jesus. It's not like I'm resting because I have now done enough and I am happy. But it's like, no, I realize I'm not enough and I realize I'm not happy, so I need Christ to come fill that for me. So with our rest comes the fruit of the Spirit, real faith, hope, and love, right? And a desire for biblical knowledge. And whenever you have biblical knowledge, that reassures your rest. It drives your passion to bring other people to rest. And you're not living a victorious Christian life if you don't have that biblical knowledge because it's like you don't know completely what you believe, right? Like you just maybe go off a sermon and like your verse of the day, which is good, but you need to know what's in here. And and whenever you're at rest, it's like, well, I want to know what else to do now. So what does the Bible say, right? There's We had a D now this weekend and the speaker, he was sharing a lot of cool stories about that, saying, you know, he brought this one person to Christ and, and he came up to his door and was like, hey, what can I do now? Like, what, what is there for me? And he was like, do you have any books I could read or something like that? And he was like, oh, sure. He's like, I have one book. And like, gave him one book. And then he was like, the next morning, came back. And he was like, all right, what else you got for me? Because he knew it's been done. I want to learn now. What can I do? What can I do with my rest? Because whenever you think someone's at rest, you think, oh, well, they aren't going to be doing anything for a while. That's how it works like this life. You know, you take a nap and it's not like, you're going to sleep and you're going out doing all the other stuff, right? So um, that, that's a, a big thing. It's like whenever you rest, desire comes from that and works come from your desire, right? So another thing that comes from our rest is the ability to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence, which is so, just so powerful. So Hebrews 4, I'm going to read that real quick if you want to turn there. Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore, While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter the rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
And this part is so awesome. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we, were, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we, that we may receive mercy and find grace in, to, uh, to help in time of need. So that is such an awesome passage talking about all that God has done and he wants us to enter that rest. And it's like now because of this rest you've entered in, you can approach the throne of grace. You can approach the, the God who's made everything around us. You can approach the God who made the universe and ask him anything. And with that, we have to ask, if we, you know, there's a passage in James that says, we have not because we ask not, right? And so we literally have the ability to ask God anything, and we choose to ask him like small things. We don't ask him supernatural things. We don't ask him to bring revival. We don't ask him to bring healing to certain, to certain people's souls. We ask for, for minor things, but we need to understand the throne of grace that we can boldly approach, right, with confidence. And so from our rest, again, comes desire for God. And even though he rested, he still worked, right? So when rest is another question. So when do we rest? The time is now. There's another passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and then we'll just go to 6, 3. So 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So when rest... Now is the time of rest. If you haven't entered into the rest, now is the time. And rest, so here's some awesome things about rest. Rest comes after you work, or in a sense, whenever you've come to the end of yourself, whenever you've come to the point where it's like, I can't do anything anymore, that's whenever you say, I need rest. And that's whenever rest comes. Rest comes when you release burdens and you take up the yoke that Christ is, that is offering, right? Rest comes when the job is completed. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, Rest was made for man, but man was not made for rest. We weren't made just for nothing. Man was made so that we'd rest. Rest wasn't made just for man. Really interesting point there. But it says rest comes when you're at a 10, right? Whenever you're not a one through nine, rest comes. True rest comes whenever you're at a 10, knowing that your works are nothing and his work is everything, right? So again, I think if you've placed yourself in that one to nine, and you're not exactly sure, you know, how to find yourself in that, know that God wants you to rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, you know, come to me all who are, who are weary, basically. And, and it's Matthew 5 as well. Come to me all who are weary, you'll be blessed, right? And so come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So whenever you recognize that, you're able to get that rest. And from that comes so many things and so many blessings. So... I'm going to pray, and then do we have another song after that? Awesome. So, dear God, thank you so much for the ministries here at Bear Creek. God, thank you so much for the ministries in Utah. God, I pray that the people out there will feel comforted by you. I know it's lonely, um, not a heavy population of Christians out there, but God, we pray that you give them comfort. We pray that you give them 
of a revival in that land, God. God, I pray that the words said today in songs and from here, God, I pray that you have the people here listen to you. God, I pray that they're able to apply that in your heart, in their hearts. God, I pray that they look to you for their answers. Show your rest to them and show our burdens so that we can release them. God, grow us and enrich us in our biblical desires. God, thank you so much for all the work that you've done. And I pray that you keep refining our trust and actions in everything that we do. God, I pray that our faith is stretched as this week goes on. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity and and all that's going to come with it. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.